Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you for joining me for today's devotion. We are in 1 Peter chapter 3, and as you're opening your Bible, I want to remind you that this coming Sunday when we have our Christmas Eve services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., we will also have the Salvation Army kettle outside the entrance to the church. So children and others, you can bring your offering for the Salvation Army and, and uh, place that in the kettle as you're coming into the worship center because we want to help them as they help others in our community. So that's this Sunday, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. All right. Today, uh, rather than sharing with you a devotional thought that spoke to my heart, uh, I want to do some teaching from this chapter. Because uh, this chapter, along with some other passages, are, are, are used sometimes in discussions and debates about the role between men and women and husbands and wives. I want to talk about that. So let's read the opening six verses. He said, in the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, in other words, they're lost, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, and putting on dresses. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, the, in, in former times in, in ancient history, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husband, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened uh, by any fear. Now, that verse, those, that, that passage and some others, um, let me ask a question. Does, is that passage teaching that the husband is the boss and that the wife is always to automatically obey him no matter what he says? That, that wives are slaves and, and their place is in the kitchen cooking and doing whatever the husband tells them to do and, and uh, they're not even to share their opinion unless he wants it and asks for it. Now, um, the text does along with others, talk about a leadership role for men and a submissive role for wives, for godly wives, and, and uses Sarah, Abraham's wife in the Old Testament, as an example. Mentions that she called him Lord, and you find that one time in the book of Genesis in, in chapter 18, verse 12. But you also, when you read all of the accounts uh, in, in the opening chapters of Genesis, starting in chapter 12, the relationship between Abraham and Sarah, there were many times that Sarah gave her opinion without being asked. She was not silent. She was not weak. And there are examples in Genesis of Abraham listening to her and examples of Abraham favoring her. He was a leader, but she was not just a slave. Um, it talks about wives and women in their Beauty. Now, the passage does not condemn a woman being attractive or owning jewelry. What it condemns is our obsession with it. Uh, that inner beauty, the beauty of a, a personality and a, a character, um, like we talked about uh, 
you know, yesterday, Christian growth shows itself in character. Having a godly character is more important than outer beauty. Doesn't mean outer beauty doesn't is 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 not is bad. It just means that inner beauty is more important. Um, and our culture is obsessed with outer beauty, and it puts a lot of pressure on women and even today men to some extent, but especially women. And it's it's just sinful. And it's ridiculous. But the passage does not stop at verse six. So if all you read are the first six verses, you can get a certain idea. But the passage, God's word doesn't stop at verse 6. Look at verse 7. He said, you husbands, in the same way, in the same way, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker. And there he's just referring to the fact that, generally speaking, men are physically stronger than women. It's not saying they're weaker character, they're weaker of intelligence, it just... Typically, men, their muscle structure, stronger than women. Since she is a woman, show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. In other words, husbands, if you mistreat your wife, you may as well not even pray because God's not going to hear a thing you say. Now, View her as a treasure. How do you treat a treasure? Men, how do you treat something that's very, very, very important to you, of great value to you? That's verse 7. But let me ask you a question. There are many Bible verses, passages, that talk about the way you and I as fellow believers, as disciples, as Christians, are supposed to treat one another, right? Here's my question. Do those Bible passages that talk about how all of us are supposed to treat one another apply to how husbands and wives are supposed to treat each other? Or are the only verses that apply to how husbands and wives treat each other are these and others that talk about husbands and wives? Do the other verses that talk about how Christians treat each other apply to how a Christian husband treats his Christian wife and how a Christian wife treats her Christian husband? Well, obviously, yes. All the verses that talk about how we are to treat one another apply to how husbands and wives treat each other as well. These verses we read, verses 1 through 7, speak specifically to the husband-wife relationship. But in addition to those verses, other verses that apply to all of us apply to husbands and wives and our interactions as husbands and wives. So look at verse 8. He said to sum it up, he said, let me... Pull all this together. It's like I'm preaching a sermon and I get toward the end and say, well, let me, let me wrap this up. Let me pull it all together for you. Peter is saying, let me pull all this together for you to sum it up. All of you, which includes husbands and wives, be harmonious, be sympathetic, be brotherly, be kind-hearted, be humble in spirit. There's no room in that then for a man to act like he's the boss of all bosses and you do what I say. Because that's not how we treat each other as believers and it's not how husbands and wives treat each other. Even though a husband has a leadership role and a wife has a submission role, <laughs> if you're not taking into account verses 7 and 8, you're sinning, men. Verse 9. 
not returning evil for evil or insult for insult. You know, a lot of marriages would be saved if men and women just started practicing that. When they have a disagreement, when they have an argument, if they would just learn how to practice the first part of verse 9, it would change their marriage. But giving a blessing instead. Giving a blessing instead. Jesus talked about turning the other cheek. Does that apply to marriage? Yes, it does. Jesus talked about uh, forgiving. Does that apply to marriage? Yes, it does. Now, I want to give a caveat that if a husband is physically abusing his wife, wives, you're not obligated biblically to stay there and let him beat you. If he beats you up with words all the time, you have a right to speak up. And if he lays a physical hand on you, get out and protect yourself. The verses that talk about how we treat one another apply equally to how husbands and wives treat each other. Husbands, you are a leader. And there is a role of submission for the wife. But you lead by viewing her as the greatest treasure in your life apart from your relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing and no one is more valuable to you than her. And you lead with sympathy, seeking to develop harmony in the home with a kind heart, with humility, not returning evil for evil or insult for evil, insult for insult. You lead as a gentle, humble, loving man towards your wife. And if you don't lead that way, you're just being a bully. You're not being a leader. That's the word of God for today. I'll see you.